You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast, special episode number 10. Today, we are so excited because we are going to be chatting with one of our very own friends and local lactation specialists about postpartum mood disorders and how we can fight that stigma and how to support mothers who are experiencing any type of postpartum mood disorders. Our friend is named Beth Gray, and I don't know if you remember when I talked about my breastfeeding journey and the woman who fed my baby for a year with her breast milk donated to me. Which is incredible. Yeah, it was um, exclusively for five months, my friend's milk, Beth, right here on the phone with us. She fed my baby and her baby for almost six months exclusively guys and what a sacrifice that is for her and how grateful I am to have her with us today to talk about something so important to both of us. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a c-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, we are ready to go. Stay tuned. Beth is going to share share some stories. She's going to get yeah. vulnerable with us and get on a really deep level. And so... Um, anyone that's experiencing or think they might be experiencing any type of postpartum depression or anxiety or anger or anything like that, uh, we're going to have some some numbers and some information for you at the end that you can use to call. But um, if you feel like this might trigger you in some way, ma- make sure that you have somebody with you or somebody that you you know you can call and talk to and process afterwards. We want to make sure that we are addressing all of these real issues that women face but we also want to make sure that you are safe and supported. And yeah. um, if anything is a trigger for you, message us on Instagram or Facebook. And even better, call someone who you know um, loves you unconditionally. And if you don't have anyone like that or don't feel like you do, we do. We love you we unconditionally and we support you. So before I keep going <laughs> any longer, I am going to turn it over to the incredible Beth Gray. Thank you, Julie and Megan. Um, I'm really excited to finally be on your show. You really are some of my favorite people. Oh, you're my favorite, too. (laughs) So I'm uh, Elizabeth Gray, uh, best to my friends, which is why Julie and Megan were calling me it. (laughs) Um, I have a BS in developmental psychology, and I'm currently going to Southern New Hampshire University, go Penman, um, (laughs) for my master's in clinical mental health counseling. And the information I'm providing tonight is strictly informational, and it should not replace any um, medical advice. And like they said before, if you have any feelings of harming yourself or hurting others, please stop listening and call 911. And if you're triggered at any time during this podcast, please stop listening. And we will have a a list of numbers for support to you um, available at the end, and we'll provide those information outside of the podcast as well so that you can look it up without having to listen to a whole story. So a little history of why this is such a passion of mine and why I, at 30 years old, went back to college and 
at nearly 40, I'm getting my master's. Woohoo, um, by the way. Yeah, awesome. I was going to say, congratulations. <laughs> I'm really old. All my friends have these babies, and they're 10 years younger than me. <laughs> um, so with my first, I had postpartum depression and post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD. And I was in such a dark fog that I would often think about killing myself. I would have fantasies of harming myself. And there was this uh, one time, there was actually a few times, I thought about dropping my child off at a hospital, which is, they're called safe havens, and you mm-hmm. can literally walk, off, walk in, hand your baby, and walk out, no questions asked. And this is an option, whether you have postpartum, whether you don't think you could take care of your child, any of those sorts of situations. I seriously considered using that, and this is a resource to people who are in those just situations. But anyway, and then I also thought of killing myself. And the only reason I never went through with anything is because my son, as Julie said, I'm a milk machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my first child refused to have anything else, absolutely anything else. And it was fear that he would starve mm. that kept me from harming myself. At six weeks postpartum, I found a local group that started a biweekly postpartum peer-to-peer postpartum group. And studies have shown, even if it's just peer-to-peer, so a group of new parents getting together and sharing, even if it's not facilitated by someone, can help. And I was in one of those groups. Mine was facilitated, however, by a wonderful social worker. And uh, she uh, actually has done postpartum stuff for several years. She actually works now at the Healing Group, which is up here in Utah. Oh, love that It's one of the most amazing groups, and hopefully, fingers crossed, that someday I can work there myself. Yay, you would be so good. But, <laughs> um, so I had those, those few hours of every couple weeks is what kept me going, and I even made friends that are still very important parts of my life years later. Many have moved to different states, and we still keep very close in touch. I hit my worst at about 10 months postpartum, and this is when I reached a point of postpartum psychosis, and I wanted to throw my son down the stairs. Fortunately, Mm. part of my brain recognized that there was the compulsion for what it was and was able to call a neighbor to help. Uh, There, by the grace of God, go I that I wasn't the person on the news. After my second, I, knowing what happened to after my first, and knowing that I had a history of uh, depression growing up, I made a very specific plan to prevent postpartum depression. I got on Zoloft the last month of my pregnancy um, because studies have shown it takes six weeks for some of those medications to really start to affect the brain and to make it balanced. And it is also breastfeeding safe. Yep. And it had worked for me as a teen, so I knew it was very, it would work for me again. I also had both my husband and my mother get FMLA plans with their works so that if something was going on with me mentally, that I would be able to have them come to help me and get off work. I also became aware of local crisis nurseries so that if I was in a, an immediate, I need to call someone, I could, and that somewhere my kids could be placed where they were safe until I was safe. Yeah. I was also in my senior year of working on my 
bachelor's in psychology, so I also had my professors as a resource. After my third child, who is uh, milk twins with Julie's, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they turn one year in like a few a days. A week, like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can't believe We're it. We're going to have a panic for that. Yeah, seriously. We need to have a cake smash session together with like buttermilk frosting made from your breast milk or something. I was going to say, <laughs> that would be my, fun. my first had breast milk frosting. And if you've, my milk, we're talking like mega cream. It, yes. Long, it has turned to butter. So yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll post pictures. And so I made uh, plans after my third, similar to my second. And I also um, added in an anxiety medicine. Um, because during my pregnancy, I was having some anxiety symptoms. And, of course, I have, during that time, I have been working on my clinical mental health counseling um, master's. And so I've had my professors, again, different professors, different university, but professors as resources. So, whew, all that bigness. Yeah. Fortunately, we had the, uh, the cake smash conversation to ease that up a bit. <laughs> Lighten uh, <laughs> So let's get, get into what some postpartum mood disorders are. Most people are aware of postpartum depression, and postpartum anxiety is starting to get some attention and awareness. But there's also postpartum OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, postpartum psychosis, and post-traumatic stress disorder. And there's no complete list of any disorders. Hormone and life developmental life changes, all those things can trigger other things. If you're completely out of whack, it doesn't have to have a label to be real for you. But uh, these, under like the diagnosis stuff, they're not specific under these, you know, the name of postpartum. They fall under their individual bracket, like postpartum depression falls under depression and stuff like that. So maybe if you ever get your medical records back and you're like, why didn't it say this? Why didn't it say that? That mm-hmm. would be the reason. So their birth is a huge life-changing event. It's like getting a brand new pair of shoes, and you have to break in those shoes. You yeah. may love them, but they and you may even make you feel like you're walking on clouds. Or you love them, and they feel like they're going to cut off your toes. <laughs> That's a good and analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes and they can do both. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes it takes longer to break them in than you expected. And you're like, why do you hate me so much, shoes? I love you, shoes. Those are all the same feelings you're going through with a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's okay to both love and hate your baby or have completely conflicting feelings, loving your birth and hating your birth. You know, all those things, you can feel multiple things at once. Unlike Ron Weasley, you are have a bigger emotional range than a teaspoon. Um, anyone get that Harry Potter reference (laughs) if if anyone who knows me knows that had to be in there somewhere it did absolutely (laughs) Um, and it's it's when your feelings reach a point um, out of proportion that's becoming a problem and if you feel overwhelmed at any point or even at your two and six week follow-up appointments um, you can ask to take the quick postpartum depression quiz the official name is the Edinburgh Postpartum Depression Scale. Mm-hmm. You don't need to remember that. Just say, I need that little test thingy for seeing if I'm too depressed. The doctors will know what you mean. And if you have a history of the depressions, 
for depression, they're going to just give it to you anyway. And it yeah. takes like a minute and a half. It's like 12 questions. My pediatrician um, has that standard for like the six-week well child checks. When she does the six-week checks on the on. Um, the baby, she always gives that form to people. Just, and she can't, like, help them because she's a pediatrician. But, like, that way she knows to refer them to people who can help them, which I think is, like, super cool. <laughs> that is amazing. And that's a, a mark of a good care provider that yeah, they're going that extra awesome. step. <laughs> and I know some people like to recommend you do it yourself. I am not one of those people. I do things, think skills like this need to be administered and as- assessed by a professional. So that's just my little plug there. I sometimes see on mommy groups that they say, hey, take this test to figure out if you're depressed. Mm, yeah. And it's, yeah. Yeah, that's my personal soapbox. I'll hop back off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I do that a little bit. I would probably say I'm with you on that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the same thing like, oh, you can take this test and it will tell you exactly what body style you are and everything. It's like. But this is a randomized test. It's not going to tell me exactly what I need to eat, you know, and and what body style I am. So <laughs> interesting enough to not go on a tangent, there is a mental health test, the one that the Myers and Briggs that everyone says, I'm these three letter types, these mm. four letter type personalities. That is actually designed to be self-administered and is accurate for self-administration. That's beside the point. <laughs> I'm all into numbers and verification and yes, hey, I, I don't is know that, anything about that. <laughs> is that like the disc assessment type thing or what? The, the Myers and Briggs, like you'll see like it's the hey, 16 personality types. IJTS personality type. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. I'm an ENTJ. What are you? Yeah. I have no Mine idea. too much. Okay. Like, <laughs> Fair enough. Change, but it does. So, <laughs> no, do you know what? I think um, it's, I think it, it's okay. Like you go through life. I mean, mine when I was single and no kids is very different than it is now. Like I think yeah. I might be leaning towards more introverted because I just don't want anyone to touch me. <laughs> <laughs> Touched out and don't want to be touched are two different things as well. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> you could probably psychoanalyze that all day, but <laughs> we won't digress. Let's get back on topic. <laughs> Actually, the touching out feeling could be on topic, but we're going to actually, on yeah, you're pro- yeah, you're probably pretty right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now that you have this little eating and pooping machine, um, and you don't remember the last time you showered and slept and you're feeling down, is this just adjustment? Is it baby blues or is it postpartum depression? So we're going to start with the easiest, lowest. Is it baby blues? Kind of the marks of this. You still have mood swings. Maybe even worse than when you're pregnant. One minute you're proud of the job they're doing, the next you're like, oh my heck, I'm going to destroy my child. I'm going to just have to start putting money into therapy now. And then the next you're crying because you're not up to the task. And then the next minute you're like, I got this. I changed a diaper and I only got peed on twice. Um, (laughs) And you you don't feel like eating and you feel like eating and then you feel exhausted and then you sleep all day and then you're up all night. And you're both irritable and overwhelmed and anxious and just all those crazy feelings. It could, those just normal ranges is normal. Mm-hmm. But when it reaches postpartum depression, you're feeling hopeless, sad, worthless. You just want to be alone all the time. You cry often. You don't think you're doing a good job. You don't like being a mom. And that's okay to not like being a mom and still love your child. That doesn't necessarily mean postpartum depression. 
But if it's really just everything is just down and dredged and you don't feel like you're bonding with your baby and you can't sleep, you can't eat, it's not because you're blocked by taking care of the child. It's physically difficulties and you're just in a despair. You're having panic attacks. You're, you have this depressed mood each and every day. You'd have no pleasure or joy in activities that you previously loved. And yes, personalities and choices can change, but nothing is bringing you joy. Your baby just giggled for the first time, and all you just and you're you're numb, and you have no moment with it. And you may find a a slight uplift with that moment, but it's not enough to pull you out of that just dark fog. Mm-hmm. And you have feelings of worthlessness and guilt, thoughts of death. Now. Many symptoms that fall on depressive order uh, guidelines are actually normal symptoms for postpartum. And so it makes it really hard to say if, yes, you are definitely depressed. No, you're just being waterboarded by your infant. Um, (laughs) And some of these ones are weight gain or loss, sleeping too much or too little, fatigue and loss of energy, not being able to concentrate, so basically every new parent's going to have some of those last few symptoms because there's this really needy small human who really wants you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That's that's what's so hard I feel like with so many is like well and people just say like, "Oh, well that's normal. That's that's what it's like to have a newborn." Or mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it's like to have a 3-month-old that has sleep regression. But but a lot of the times it's not that it's normal and that we mm-hmm. chunk it in to be normal mm-hmm. and yep. what I we're feeling is if not. If you've asked if what you're experiencing is normal, then it's not. Yeah. Especially with things like the postpartum depression. If you're asking, hey, what's this? Do you know of things? That's the times where it's, if you're asking someone, that's the time when it's time to start seeking something more. That's just my general guideline when I see on forums a mom goes, I think I might be be depressed. That's usually a sign to me that they are. Yep. Mm. Yep. So now on to postpartum anxiety. This is worry in the extreme. This is so scared that your baby is going to stop breathing that you absolutely never sleep. You don't drive anywhere because you are terrified of a car accident. The worry is preventing you from regular actions. It's all-consuming, and it's it's beyond normal baby. Like, yes, I'm scared that my infant who has breathing problems, I get scared with it. But it is not like... Debilitating. Shake, breathe, your breathing gets caught in your throat. Your heart rate increases. Yeah. For these just thoughts of worry. Also, another part that people don't realize is part of anxiety is anger and rage. Yeah, that's how mine manifested with my second. I was just angry all the time. I had prenatal rage Mm. with my third. And I cannot express the anger that I would get at small things. I fortunately apologized to my <laughs> two other children about 300 million thousand times. There was just this deep burning of just, I mean, if you've seen Moana, 
I'm totally drawing a blank on the fire demon. Tahiti. Barely touches my the rage mm-hmm. I was having, and just inexplicable anger. And uh, next, and you guys can hop in with questions at any point. I realize I didn't say that, but if you no, have you're doing great. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we'll interrupt you whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so another one. So being postpartum, you can have some symptoms of OCD. Um, obsessive compulsion uh, disorder arise like you have to wash your hands every time you do anything because I'm going to make the baby sick. Especially if you had a like a baby in the NICU or something like that. You you know there is some of those points, but it's the but for it to be true postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder, the obsessions and thoughts and urges need to be intrusive, unwanted, and you are unable to suppress those even when you attempt to suppress them. And mm-hmm. the compulsions, things you just have to do over and over, you be, make rules and rituals. It could be things, like I said, the washing the hands, but we're talking to the point where you're bleeding, even, even like praying constantly or counting or repeating a word or an action, all that could be under a compulsion. And these are very rigidly applied. You are not able to do anything until you follow your new rules. Mm. And... Going through any life change and having a new baby is one of those can introduce these sorts of feelings and new changes. So postpartum is a time where OCD can happen. So, and the next one I'm going to come up to, I kind of hesitate. And anyone who hears these things, and if you tell yourself, well, I'm not that bad because I don't have this next section, doesn't mean that you don't have one of those lesser ones. And those aren't lesser because they're, not over-consuming just because they're not going to potentially harm people. This next section is on postpartum psychosis, and just because you don't have these doesn't disqualify you from having something very real from above. The people who have the postpartum psychosis, a lot of times these are the moms that end up on the news. These are very, very overwhelming. These are the people who are seeing and hearing things that are not there. They're having compulsive, so powerful, they begin to act differently. And a lot of times when you're in this, um, you don't even realize what happened until it's passed. Some of the moms that have been stopped, like trying to drive into the ocean and stuff, mm-hmm. um, right after Gosh. having a baby. I just you know, saw a video of that on Facebook the other day. Literally a lady yeah. driving her children into yeah. the ocean. That's actually why yeah. I use that one, because it is one that comes up. And they ask what's going on, and they, they'll they say things like, the demons compelled me, I the, I have to save my babies by doing yeah. this. They literally can't, do not have brain processes anymore. And I see these po- various posts on the news and Facebook, and people are demonizing these poor women, and a lot of times yeah. they're very, very mentally sick. Mm-hmm. And so, and whether it's the very small thing, you know, something, any of these things, if you are at any point you're struggling, even just the smallest bit, and you're like, I am not me, get help. It can be as small as calling a friend to come over, and you're just doing nothing but sitting quiet together. Mm-hmm. Or it could be as much as going and talking to a care provider, saying, I need to go to a therapist a few times a week, getting on medication. You can still breastfeed your baby on meds. You can still take care of yourself, your babies and stuff with these various things. 
And there's a lot of different choices. Some people will say just making sure you get outside every day and getting that sunlight or by getting that exercise because those endorphins. There's a lot of ways to do it, but do something. And like I said, with this last, the po- that last one, the postpartum psychosis, these are the people who are in deep, and my heart goes out to them because yes. as much as you try and demonize themselves, it's not as bad as what they're demonizing in their own head. Mm-hmm. So this that's last true. one is a really big one, especially for B- VBAC link, and that's going to be the birth PTSD, birth uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And I'm adding a second trigger warning here because this next part will mention assault and trauma that many people may recognize that that is what they are experiencing. And I know a lot of people, after they go through various things in the birth space, do feel victimized, attacked, assaulted, and all of that. And you are not alone. It happened to me. And I know it's happened to others. Mm-hmm. And so if you get that aha moment and you feel like you need someone to talk to, again, you can reach out here and the other numbers that we'll be providing at the end. PTSD is intrusive memories of a traumatic event, distressing dreams about the traumatic event, flashbacks of what happened as if it's happening right now again, long-term distress reminding you of the event. You reach a point where you avoid anything that reminds you of the event. You may have experienced blackouts or loss of memories of the event. And I'm not talking like the medical sort of in, intentional uh, anesthesia that is supposed to put you out for a uh, blackout situation. It's your body refusing to remember. And then you get to the point where you have beliefs about the event that are incorrect. Like, and then like you believe that if you just did this one thing different, that it wouldn't have had that outcome. And it could be true, but those beliefs become consuming and then if you have fear guilt anger and shame over the event these are all signs of the birth ptsd and they are real and we are here for you and we hear you and we hear your your stress and your feelings and your thoughts and we want you to know you are not alone and you will continue to have people care for you and as many people who may discredit what you're going through, whether it's depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, psychosis, you are not alone. There is people to find you and help you. Mm-hmm. If you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others, especially if you're having thoughts of uh, suicide, please, there's, here's two different numbers. There's the National Hope Line Network, which is 800-SUICIDE, S-U-I-C-I-D-E, Sorry, I meant to get the numbers pulled up what that was. but And the other is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that's 800-273-TALK. And the talk is 8255. Postpartum Support International. That is actually, they have certifications even for people who specialize specifically in postpartum uh, mood disorders. In this next month, I'm going to have my certification done. I'll be doing it online. And they also have a helpline. And that is 800-844-4773, or you can text 503-894-9453. And their website is postpartum.net, and you can actually go to their website to find a provider who is certified. 
thank you guys for having me. Is there any questions or thoughts or anything you'd like to add? Well, I just, I, I'm so glad that you got help when you did because this world would be a really sad place without you. And I'm grateful that you are speaking out and that you're willing to share your story because I feel like the more people talk and share their stories, the less of a stigma these postpartum mood disorders are going to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I was saying earlier, like it's just, it's, it's a very vulnerable thing to talk about. And, you know, when you, when you maybe are having thoughts like that of hurting yourself or, or hurting others, or if, you know, you're just feeling very negative, you know, it's, it's, it's something that it's hard to just come out and say, Hey, I'm feeling this way. And so, like she said, the more and more we don't keep this behind closed doors and we be vulnerable with, you know, people that we feel safe with. I do. I think it's going to just slowly change so many lives. Absolutely. I think it's important to note too, that oftentimes the first person that will notice that um, something's not quite right is, is the the partner, the spouse, the husband, the mom, somebody close to the woman experiencing these things. Yeah. And so so it's important to know that you if you see these symptoms in someone that you love, you can call those numbers too and get connected to help, getting connected to help for for that person that you love so much. And so don't be afraid to reach out or speak up or have a conversation with that person because, you know, I just, I've been there too. I have been in that deep, dark hole where it doesn't feel like life is ever going to get better. And it's really, it's a really tricky place to be in because there's a part of your brain that just, that, that reason and logic and hope is just gone. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a really lonely and dark place to be. And I think my husband was the first one to notice that I was just angry about everything all the time. And I remember the day that I realized that like something wasn't right with me and that, um, that I, that I went to get help and that I reached out to people and I got on my vitamin Z (laughs) Zoloft and, you know, and I'm doing better. And you can also have these mood disorders and, and things like that during pregnancy, um, perinatal mood disorders. And so if you're feeling those things, but you haven't had a baby yet, don't let that stop you from getting help. Because I had that really bad with my third pregnancy, which also happened to be my second postpartum period. They kind of just all smooshed together because baby number three decided to have her own timetable. So it's really complicated. If you notice these in your your husband, postpartum mood disorders can happen to men. Yes, that is true. Yep, absolutely, absolutely can. Yeah. Yep. And don't be scared. Um, there, I it just it makes me so sad that there is such a negative stigma on so many areas in the world. You know, it, if you know if you can't breastfeed, if you can't deliver vaginally, if you can't go unmedicated, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't feel happy and joyful after a baby, you're, you know, you're just some terrible person and, or you're failed. And it's just, it's not true. And so if you don't feel like there's someone in your network, in your family that you can talk to, 
Do not be scared to go talk to your provider. Do not be scared of medication and don't be embarrassed mm -hmm. by medication because let me tell More you what. More of us are than you think. Let me tell you what though. <laughs> really, yeah, you know, medication, you know, maybe there's a, there's a way to help without it. But guess what? There's also ways um, or there's not ways to help without it, you know, and it's okay. It's okay. And like Beth said, it's safe. It's safe. It's not going to hurt your baby. So if you do want to nurse, guess what? You can keep nursing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be embarrassed by taking something to help you. It's, it's Our serving Our two babies you. that have had my milk this entire last year are having zero negative effects other than way fatty thighs. <laughs> and they're very happy babies. Because, <laughs> because you've got wonderful milk. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, Beth, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.